This video is made for educational purposes only. Please consult your current references before providing any advice to your patients. Parkinson's disease is a chronic and progressive neurological disorder affecting dopaminergic neurons in the brain. The pathological processes of Parkinson's disease result in less dopamine being produced and stored in the brain. This disrupts many neural processes that rely on dopamine neurotransmission. Importantly, this includes movement and motor functioning. In a healthy brain, dopamine and acetylcholine exist in a balance with each other. In a person suffering from Parkinson's disease, there is deficit of dopamine and because of that a relative excess of acetylcholine. This deficit and resulting imbalance produces the main symptoms of Parkinson's disease – resting tremor, rigidity, slowness of movement, cold bradykinesia, and postural instability. Patients with Parkinson's disease also suffer from a wide range of non-motor symptoms, but this is outside the scope of this talk. Today we will discuss the most commonly used medications available from a community pharmacy in Australia. There are a few rules that will apply to all of them. All anti-Parkinsonian medications cause nausea. To minimize this, the treatment should be started with a very low dose. We increase doses slowly to the desirable effect. Nausea may also be reduced if the drugs are taken with food. However, the efficacy of levodopa can be significantly reduced by co-administration with food. In the initial stages of the disease, the effect of food will not be significant enough to negatively impact treatment. But in patients with later stages of Parkinson's disease, we can advise to take levodopa at least 30 to 60 minutes before or an hour after a meal. In patients where food is found to be significantly affecting levodopa treatment, a trial with a protein redistribution diet may be helpful. This diet helps to manage fluctuations related to the effect of food intake on levodopa absorption by adjusting the diet so the majority of protein intake is given at the end of the day. If nausea is still a problem, domperidone is the drug of choice. However, international guidelines warn against regular use for longer than one week as it is implicated in prolongation of QT interval and puts patients at risk of life-threatening arrhythmias, especially if combined with other medications with the same effect. Medications that have anti-dopaminergic activity must be avoided in Parkinson's patients. For example, proclopirazine, promethazine, metoclopramide, and antipsychotic medications. All dopaminergic medications can cause psychosis. If treatment of psychosis is required, the drugs of choice are quetiapine or clozapine, as they are less likely to worsen Parkinson's symptoms. This is due to their relatively lower antagonistic effect at dopamine receptors. One of the most important things about anti-Parkinsonian treatment is to not stop treatment abruptly. Sudden withdrawal from dopaminergic medications can lead to symptoms resembling neuroleptic malignant syndrome. This is also sometimes called Parkinsonism hyperperexia syndrome. The main symptoms of neuroleptic malignant syndromes are fever, rhabdomyolysis and muscle rigidity. Sudden withdrawal can also lead to acute akinesia when a person develops a severe inability to move, lasting for days. The symptoms are rare but potentially fatal and can start developing as early as 18 hours to 7 days after a missed dose or sudden cessation of treatment. 
As our patients suffering from Parkinson's disease are often older patients with multiple comorbidities, it's important to keep this in mind. These patients may undergo surgical procedures or require unexpected hospital admissions. We should educate patients and their relatives on the importance of letting healthcare workers know that they require these medications on time without interruptions to therapy. For example, the patient may be advised to take their medications with them to the hospital in case their prescribed medications are not readily available from pharmacy, or discuss with the doctor other options such as a patch or parenteral treatment if oral intake will be interrupted for some time. The problem with Parkinson's disease is that we can't cure it. Levodopa works brilliantly to treat symptoms in the initial disease stages. It is the most logical first-choice treatment as it works to replace the dopaminergic deficit responsible for symptoms of the disorder. But we don't know enough yet to recommend it as an initial treatment to everyone. Some research has shown that metabolites of levodopa produce free radicals in the brain that can be toxic to dopamine neurons. However, some studies show the opposite, claiming that levodopa has neuroprotective properties. What we do know is that a patient's responsiveness to treatment with levodopa and other therapies may be limited to a certain time period. Half of patients will develop disabling motor dyskinesias, uncontrollable movements, and fluctuations, unpredictable response or no response to levodopa, after just 5 or 10 years of medication treatment. Current evidence cannot confirm if these outcomes are related to the natural progression of the disease or if they may be influenced by levodopa therapy. This is an important discussion to have with our patients. There is still a degree of uncertainty if levodopa treatment may affect disease progression. This may also influence their decision on when they want to commence levodopa therapy. When to start treatment with levodopa also depends on the patient's symptom severity, cognitive status, comorbidities and life expectancy. Most commonly, older patients, over 70 years old, and patients with cognitive impairment will be started on levodopa early on to improve quality of life. Younger and cognitively non-impaired patients may be better candidates for other anti-Parkinsonian medications. The initial treatment should be discussed with the patient who has been informed of the risks and benefits of each medication choice. The main medications that we see today are the MAL-B inhibitors, amantadine, dopamine agonists, levodopa and anticholinergics. In Australia, the drugs of choice are levodopa and dopamine agonists. Some terminology to be familiar with is when the drugs are working well to treat symptoms, we call it on time. When the drugs stop working, it's called off time. Now let's have a brief recap on how dopamine is metabolized. Dopamine cannot cross the blood-brain barrier. This means that if your patient takes dopamine orally or parenterally, it will not get to the brain where we need it. The pro-drug of dopamine is levodopa. Levodopa is able to cross the blood-brain barrier. When levodopa is taken orally, it is absorbed into the bloodstream from the small intestine, unfortunately some of each dose gets lost during this process. Once absorbed, levodopa may be metabolized by various enzymes. In the body, levodopa is degraded by COMT, or catecholomethyltransferase, 
MAL-B, the monoamine oxidase B enzymes, or are converted to dopamine by dopa decarboxylase. These peripheral metabolic pathways will all inactivate levodopa before it can even enter the CNS. Therefore, they significantly reduce the therapeutic efficacy of levodopa. Once levodopa passes through the blood-brain barrier into the brain, it must be metabolized into its active form, dopamine, by the dopa decarboxylase enzyme. However, before this occurs, it may again be degraded by COMPT or MAO-B enzymes. To minimize the premature degradation of levodopa and maximize the amount of active dopamine we achieve from each dose, we now always administer levodopa with enzyme inhibitors. Levodopa is always administered with a dopa decarboxylase inhibitor, such as benzerazide or carbidopa. We may also add a COMPT inhibitor to therapy and tacopone. All three together exist as a drug called Stilevo, or its generics. In addition to these enzymes blocking degradation of levodopa, increasing the chances that a larger amount of levodopa will reach the brain, they also reduce adverse effects. The conversion of levodopa to dopamine in the peripheral tissues is responsible for the most common side effects, nausea and vomiting. Our enzyme inhibitors prevent levodopa being metabolized into dopamine peripherally, improving tolerability of the treatment. COMPT inhibitors have no benefit in the early management of Parkinson's disease. Intacopone can be used for the management of motor fluctuations associated with levodopa in the later stages of the disease. Intacopone can increase the duration of motor improvement, or on time, but can also increase levodopa-induced dyskinesias and gastrointestinal adverse effects. Now let's move on to dopamine agonists. We rarely see ergoderivatives, bromcaptine and cabergoline prescribed for patients with Parkinson's disease. The recommended and most commonly prescribed representatives of this class are pramipexol and retigatine. Dopamine agonists mimic dopamine in the brain and act on dopamine receptors, but they are not dopamine and therefore are not an exact fit into the receptor. Therefore, dopamine agonists are not as effective as levodopa, especially at later stages in the disease. Pramipexol comes in a tablet form as an immediate release or an extended release formulation. An immediate release dosage form is used three times a day and the extended release tablet is taken before bed. The total daily dose is the same for both preparations, so it's easy to convert patients from immediate release to extended release tablets if needed. Only one transdermal formulation of dopamine agonists is available in Australia, retigatine. It is one's daily patch. The patch could be a very good alternative for patients who can't take medications orally due to swallowing difficulties or during periods when the patient is new by mouth, for example, if they're having a surgery. Therapeutic guidelines have a table instructing clinicians how to convert oral levodopa or pramepexol to retigatine patches. Amansidine and rosagiline can also be used in early stages of Parkinson's disease, according to growing evidence to support this approach. In Australia, they are not recommended as a first-choice treatment by the therapeutic guidelines yet, but are approved by the PBS for the use in Parkinson's disease without other restrictions. Amantadine is a strange drug. It is an antiviral medication, 
It also increases the release of dopamine in the brain and reduces its reuptake. So more dopamine can be in the brain for longer. It is an effective treatment for early stages of Parkinson's disease. However, the effect seems to wear off after three to six months of use. Resargeline and selegiline are irreversible inhibitors of MALB. Sofinamide is a newer addition and is a reversible MALB inhibitor. MALB inhibitors prevent degradation of dopamine in the brain and preserve levodopa in the periphery and in the brain. Therefore, it can be especially helpful when used together with levodopa. Doses of selegiline higher than 10 mg per day should not be used in patients with Parkinson's disease. This can lead to non-selective malinhibition and cause hypertensive crisis. In advanced stage, patients may be offered other treatment options. There are a few devices available now. For example, continuous levodopa-carbidopa intestinal gel infusion. The drug is delivered by a pump right into gastrojejunostomy. Another alternative is a continuous subcutaneous apomorphine, another dopamine agonist infusion delivered by pump as well. There is also a surgical treatment, deep brain stimulation. In the US, we see other drug forms for delivery of levodopa, such as inhaled levodopa. And one of the newest drugs approved by the FDA is estradethylene, an adenosine receptor antagonist. The FDA has approved estradephylene when given in addition to levodopa for the treatment of wearing off symptoms. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening. listening.